Are you ready for some sugar? Oh, you know it. Some a little spice with it too. Some, some sugar and spice. Some drunken alleyway fighting sugar. <laughs> yeah, sure. That that's where I was going. You you're doing like a, a baking thing, and I like it. Well, cause Cajun spice, you know, ah, and sugar. Yeah, uh, ooh, mm, and sugar, sugar and spice. Mm-hmm, and everything. And, and everything to come is doomed. Thanks a lot, Destiny. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia, and I'm Justin. Ooh, wiggly fingers. Do you want to be sugar or spice? Spice. All right, I'll be sugar. I want to be the drunken sloppy man in the alleyway who, why are you making that face? <laughs> as much as, and again, this is going to get ahead of ourselves, but as much as that wasn't really Gambit as I know him, I was like, wow, I, am I Gambit? Like, am I Gambit? Am I Rogue? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, we are talking about that comic today along with some others. So let me give you the rundown. We're talking two Infinity Comics. We've got Love Unlimited, number 39. X-Men Unlimited, number 76. X-Force, number 38. And Rogue and Gambit, number one. Plus. plus ooh, plus a little Sins of Sinister recap connection discussion to yeah. get us ready for the next phase of that story. Yeah. I'd say more on the more on the conversation and discussion than than recap, but mm-hmm. like a, a high level, like, hey, what's what is that? Where are we because, at? because we get a lot of people commenting, like, what the heck is going on with all these nightcrawlers? What's with all the diamonds on people's foreheads? Oh, we'll talk about it. Yeah. But before that. What what is before that? The, the news. news. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no it just gets better and better every time i'll have the last thing <laughs> we don't really have that many news items oh really week. yeah no there's there wasn't a whole lot i went scrounging we got previews all right they're preview art and pages for a couple of books that are upcoming nightcrawlers x-men new mutants lethal legion and Ooh. scarlet witch nice is that the scarlet witch annual it is not, but that is my next news item. Ooh. What do you got? Alert. Nothing. I just saw that the the cover had also Agatha Harkness in her now younger form mm-hmm. since the Midnight Suns run. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good because I, it's not actually part of the news that I had. I just had Contest of Chaos, what was once thought as a skippable fight one-shot, now has its first tie-in announced, Scarlet Witch Annual Number 1. Ooh. will tie in to Contest of Chaos, which Ooh. dragging my feet. Exciting. <laughs> sure. I think. Yeah. It's, it's cool. I like what they did with Agatha. That's yeah. interesting. They destinied her up. They destinied her up. You know, how, how do we keep these characters going? We just magic. De-age them. Magic. Krakoan magic. Magic, magic. All the magic. Watch out, Spider-Man. Speaking of magic, personal news. My magic statue that was a delayed 
Christmas gift from Justin arrived this week, which is glorious. And you can uh, head over to our Instagram and watch the video of me opening Freaking it. Freaking out. I was so giddy in that moment. Yeah, that was cool. It looks great. I've never been one for statues, but that's a good one. Mm-hmm. There is an interview with the War College creative team. Oh, cool. On Marvel. A little written interview. Get into the insights on the love of Bishop and just where we might go with that story, especially now that we are in an alternate reality of sorts. Right. Perhaps another multiverse tie-in. Yeah. Speaking of interviews, there's an interview with Al Ewing on off-panel podcast that I listened to this week. It was really good. And just getting into the way his brain works and all the different things that he does. And and a lot of the questions were leading towards this idea of how, how are you doing that so well on <laughs> tie-ins? Because he's the king of tie-ins. <clears throat> you, know, you, you give him a tie-in issue and he makes it work for himself. Because that doesn't mean I'm just going to do whatever you're doing. I'm saying how can this tie-in progress my story and what it's going on? Yeah. So case in point, Venom, mm-hmm. very recently tied into Dark Web. Well, they wanted some opportunity to bring Eddie into his bedlam form. This presented itself as the limbo trip. And then Zeb apparently asked, hey, can we make him like 80s Venom, <laughs> 90s Venom just for a little bit? Just, just for a second. Classic Venom to just play around with? That's sure. cool. Yeah, he does do a really good job of just having so many storylines happening or like so much to keep track of. So it's cool to get a glimpse into that kind of creative process and organization. Yeah. I just love hearing people talk about their work. I feel like it's really interesting. We're talking about Sins of Sinister later. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to make sure that I said that, even though we said it in the rundown. Just a a double triple So you're there, right. Everybody knows what's happening. We have multiple polls this week. So many. Three of them technically total. The wow. first one is the only one that you know regularly, week to week. The regular. Two comics enter, one survives. Who wins the battle this week? Rogue and Gambit. By how much? 78%. 68%. Not bad. That's not bad. Dang. Shake it off. You're still in it, champ. <laughs> 32% for X-Force. That's it. That's all. That's uh, it. It's kind of it's sad when there's only two books. Yeah. I mean, it's sad reading wise, but also in the poll, because what, what are you going to compare it to? Just the other book. Yeah, that's it. On to Infinity. It's time to talk about those Infinity comics. So we're starting out with Love Unlimited. We're continuing our Deadpool story. And I got to say, it was witty, but not much development happened, right? Deadpool is, he's going now from acts of lovely kindness to preaching about love to the masses to anyone who will listen he starts out in a diner he moves to a a podium on top of a statue basically sets himself up on top of a statue and then ends up on a stage basically doing a love ted talk with his pink costume that he accidentally bleached accidentally he's got even got the heart deadpool logo to go with it he did this on purpose this is all his plot even in, at the one point where you think it could go south, where someone comes up to him, punches him in the face because his 
partner left him because Deadpool basically made them believe that their love wasn't worth it anymore, their love wasn't real. Instead of fighting, Deadpool just gives him a hug and says, I'm sorry for your pain and everything's fine. It's definitely a different Deadpool. Mm-hmm. And he's really embracing this peace, love, unity, good love, loving yourself and, and loving your partner in a way that is healthy and heartily, mm-hmm. which I think it's a good message. It's weird coming from Deadpool. <laughs> it's still got the comedy, the sass, the the weird asides. Yes, and, and then a growing villain. And a growing background. villain, in, literally in the back of the crowd as animus, animosity, I guess, right? Mm. He causing is a ruckus. causing some difference of shared feeling amongst the masses and sending them into this love fest. And we don't know, we don't know what happens next. We never do. Will Deadpool make it out? I'm sure he will. Yeah, I mean, he's Deadpool. <laughs> he has to. Written by Fabian Nicieza, art by Salva Espin, colors Israel Silva, letters Ariana Maher. VCs Ariana Maher. What'd you think? You like it? I did. I thought it was fun and, you know, Deadpool y. Yeah. I mean, I'd agree with the fact that not much was progressed or changed. It, you can't do that every issue, right? right. You got to have something where, especially ones that are this short mm-hmm. and singular character focused. You know, and we're you going through an arc on Deadpool here. He's going through changes. Right. And you you do have the the growing sort of aggravation of the villain who just can't take it anymore, you know, and you have to see him lead up to why he's going to explode his feelings all over the place at the end of the issue. He just wants to be loved, too. But it's he's not. He's not feeling the love. No. He just likes hate. <laughs> How about this great X-Men Unlimited story? Oh, X-Men Unlimited. I am here for it. This team-up. Who knew that this is what we were missing in the Krakoan era? Well, people who voted for Marrow to be on, on the, the X-Men. X-Men, probably. Yeah, maybe, I guess. But <laughs> also, I like this story better than... Right. Her just being a side character in a, in a team book. So where we left her last, we were in Madripoor in Mutitown and Leech has been kidnapped and we find out that Leech's fingers have been chopped off and that's giving one of the Hellfire babies the authority to kind of manipulate and disrupt her power. Maximilian Frankenstein. So she's on a mission to find him and Farrell's also there. Tag it along. I'm not exactly sure why Marrow is so anti Farrell's help in the beginning. I don't know that it's specifically about Farrell. It's just the fact that she feels like she messed up and she's a very proud and stubborn mutant who so wants, wants to, to fight for her fix. Even the the note about, oh, great, Farrell's here to witness my mm. failing. It just makes it even worse. Right. But even in the first issue when she was, Farrell was like, you brought me here to help. And she's like, nah, I'm going to do this on my own. But at this point, she's ready for Farrell's help. She has Farrell sniff the scent of uh, the Hellfire baby blood. And they make their way into this warehouse of sorts where, where we're collecting pieces of mutants, which is terrifying and harvesting their flesh this flesh is exceptional it's like a chop shop and they even call it that a chop Mm -hmm. shop for mutant parts so they are deriving powers from pieces and especially i mean you think of 
I think that's really interesting in several ways. One, it's another extension of Zeno, Stasis, Mm -hmm. all of these people that are doing a similar approach. But with Resurrection, there are more parts laying around to take advantage of, right? You go around and you pick up dead bodies or if you have to take them alive, I don't know. I don't know the science of this evil. No, me either. But we shall find out what happens next in the next issue. Where we leave them, they drop into this warehouse and start tearing it up Mm -hmm. in a very unsure, like, are we going to survive? Is this actually a good idea? Do we make it out of this alive? Dun, dun, dun. I liked it. I did too. I think this story is really interesting. And I have to say, the X-Men Unlimited storylines really interest me as little extra bits of Krakoan life. I feel like they add so much to the overall Krakoan universe. Yeah. Especially when they're able to highlight characters that otherwise don't get mm-hmm. page time. And you know, we were talking about it. We guested with X-Factor Files for an episode coming out in about a month. And just this in comparison to like the spring specials that Marvel used to do, these little character vignettes mm-hmm. that It gives an opportunity to test out a character, their dynamics, a a partnership, perhaps. The strong guy in Madrox came up, like old friends from their X-Factor days. And to see, okay, do people care about this character? Are they excited? Are people talking about it? Right. And also, it's a combination of testing it out and also like giving people a taste of characters we know they want to see when when they don't have the ability to have them in the main books, you know, like we know people have been interested in Marrow. So, and the Morlocks in general are just like mutants in general who don't have human passing appearances. You sure. Know? Even, even just the Madripoor plot mm-hmm. thread from Marauders and right. where that else went through. Yeah. So I, I loved this issue. I'm really interested in this storyline. I think it's super interesting and I I look forward to the next issue to see what happens next. I do want to compliment the artist on some of these. Oh, yeah. The, the scrollers. And I think it's a different medium that we're talking about here. And it's hard to adapt to. But there's this one segment where Marrow and Feral are on top of the roof. And then it immediately shows us from that point as you scroll down further and see inside the warehouse. It's just a really interesting way to use the vertical format to shift perspective and also bring us in further to something that they're seeing that we're not. Yeah, I think this issue in particular did a really great job of like using landscapes to kind of push the story forward as you're scrolling. Yeah, even when Farrell is stalking Marrow on that hunt. Mm-hmm. That was good. Written by Zach Thompson, art by Philip Sevy, colorist Cece de la Cruz, letters Joe Sabino. V- Sees Josephino. Joey. Joey Sabs. Joey Sabadocious. <laughs> Cutting it up with the letters. Hey, we only got two comics, all right? Okay. You excited about them? I am, actually. Do I, you agree I, with I, the order? Because you were questioning it when I gave it to you. Well, I was honestly in shock because I assumed that Rogan Gambit was going to be more like how the Gambit miniseries was or the Bishop, like X-Men Legends, that it wasn't really taking place in oh. Krakoa. Yeah, Chris asked me that at the comic shop too. He had no idea. So I 
when you had it last and you had X-Force first, like generally you put the non-Krakoa books before the Krakoa books. So I was like, oh, shoot, Rogue and Gambit must be something. Something's happening in that for X-Force to not be to not be the second book I read. But I do. I completely agree with the with the order after reading them. But I do think that these were pretty comparable. Yeah. Side by side. Both great issues. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ooh. Well, I got gripes on both and I got compliments on both. And that's where I'll leave it for now until we talk about the cover. Okay, well, let's talk about this cover. First, we've got X-Force. And we've got, I like this cover a lot because it kind of gives you the same vibe of this, what does he call it? Omni Mutant. Yeah, gives you the Omni Mutant vibe, but with a different layout. This one is a little bit more... We're going to show you the pieces of each member of X-Force versus the Omni-Mutant is a little bit more of a hybrid. Yeah. This is much more Frankenstein's monster mm-hmm. versus Sinister's lab, you know? Yeah. But I really like this cover. Yeah. No, Josh killed it. I have a bias when it comes to Josh's art, obviously, but I really like that Domino's head is the like the head of this creation since she is the one leading the issue. Yeah. It's no, this is, this is a solid issue for Domino. I will say that. All right. Shall we get into it? Mm. Page turn noise. Speaking about Nina, <laughs> let's kick it off with a little monologue, a little peeling back the layers of what's been going on with her and her luck. Yeah. It's, I thought it was really interesting is that she doesn't really feel like she has a handle on her luck. Like she feels that. She's been at a disadvantage since the start of Krakoa. Which makes sense because X-Force issue one, which we have a couple of threads coalescing in this issue and Mm. coming to a close, that is what started, right? She was on this mission to infiltrate Zeno and was captured and and then bad stuff happened. Yeah. I also think it's interesting and it's jumping ahead a little bit, but it ties to this moment in in the comic is... I wonder if there's some sort of limit on her luck and the fact that Zeno has pulled her luck and it's been put into all of these other things, if that's why it's not working as strongly for her as it should because it's spread too thin. We'll even think about a couple things. So Moira Mm -hmm. is a prime example on the diminishing returns of being able to replicate mutant powers, mm-hmm. right? You can only do so many clones. It's got limits. The fraying of her DNA. As we went through that first arc of X-Force, when Domino killed the mirror version of herself, she got back some of that luck, right? Right. She was able to find a four-leaf clover. They used to spring up everywhere, but she found it after she killed that on the, the mountain. The, the Yeah, yeah. And then that led to a whole facility of them. So is that pulling from her ability right. to have access to. Even, I wonder, Wolverine is another topic in conversation with Zeno, right? The inability to keep his organs or the upgrades derived from his mutant powers, the inability to keep that going for an extended period of time, and maybe some of the thing that, that he's been going through. I mean, that's definitely more influenced by Beast, sure. Right. But, I don't know. It's interesting. But we're still fighting these skinless monstrosities. Yeah. And uh, Deadpool's just going to Deadpool. Hop, 
right inside one's mouth and cut it open from the inside out. Yeah, but not without some sassy Deadpool lines beforehand. I think this, you know, obviously Ben Percy is just having a blast Mm -hmm. with Deadpool. I feel like adding him to the book, I think we've said it several times, it's been a breath of fresh air. It really is. He and Omega Red, but also being able to have Domino have some characterization, Sage have some characterization. I think, honestly, as much as I like Wolverine, we have benefited from him not being on the book for the last couple of issues. I totally agree. And I think, you know, it's interesting because... Ben Percy has such a great Wolverine voice, like such a great Logan voice. She sounds just like him. Yeah, literally and in his writing. But I feel like when you connect really well to a character, that character is is going to just become the leading character in your story because you feel like you can speak through them, essentially. And without Wolverine on this book, it's giving... Ben the opportunity to speak through these other characters and find his voice within each of them, which I think is cool. And I love a good fourth wall break. So oh, yeah, yeah. Deadpool asking if he could, you know, how he refers to his exit yeah. based on the level of the rating of this comic. Rating of the comic. I yeah. just thought that was great. And just how many times is Omega Red going to freak out Deadpool as he snacks on the blood from his shoulder. Super gross. Yeah, yeah. Totally gross. Snacks. Shout out to Robert Gill. These couple of panels. I love this one with Domino, Deadpool, and Omega Red about to enter into the base that they have in front of them. And even just, again, you know, it's a drop-in shot, so obviously I'm on board. That opposite panel on the same spread where they're coming down this elevator shaft in the laboratory. Yeah, I thought the art in this book was great. And it is a great drop-in shot. I like the levels. I like how Domino's like basically down, Deadpool's coming in, and Omega Red's sort of like peering over the edge. Should I go? Like, is this good? Is this a good thing, guys? So they're they're at the Xeno headquarters or the Xeno base and they're making their way in. And I like what Domino's really saying about, you know, just start setting the charges as we go. Because if something goes wrong, I'd rather die in this place and take it down yeah. than be a prisoner here. Because she's already done that. Right. And this this is the team for it. Mm-hmm. This is the murder squad. Which leads us right to our title page, Where Monsters Dwell. Xeno! Written by Benjamin Percy, art by Robert Gill, colors Guru EFX, letters Joe Caramagna. VCs Joe Caramagna. That cover Joshua Casera and Dean White. Yes. And then on to the genomic revolution. This guy, I mean, he's not wrong, especially in light of the mutants and their growth and just seeing that potential as another stage in evolution as a as a people. Mm-hmm. the ways that he goes about it, not the best, sure, right. but who among us can say they're doing it any better? Beast, sinister, none, 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 none. Right. correct. Yes, that's also true. But it's just interesting how Max is such a important part of his work. Right. As he's trying to break free. You, know, he, you just said right. all these things. You have, I can read your thoughts right. and I they are not good. I know you cut me up. And I'm getting out of here. I'm done. I'm out. And he's like, no, Max. And just the another, you know, shout out to the art and the way that this is drawn and that 
door of darkness and that feeling like you it's giving like suspenseful horror movie vibes of just like he's looking for Max. Yeah. And he's coming for you, Max. Max is hiding among the pieces of other mutants and he's like, you're not going to do the same thing to me, are you? No, that's I mean, that's clearly what's going to happen. Right. You heard his story. Right. Max gets captured, but it's time to catch back up with our exploration team. They got to check in with their counterparts on Krakoa. And timeline wise, it seems like X-Force is still before where we're at with Wolverine because Beast is still here working with Sage and there's not really any question about what's happening and we still have we still don't have Wolverine, right? I mean, sure, right. The one thing that I'll point out and that makes it all kind of screwy is this the prison. Right. Right? Like that was something that X Force uncovered and just still nothing happened. They're just like, oh, that beast, you scamp. Right. <laughs> like, well, no, that was a serious thing. Right. How has that not been brought up to literally anyone? Anyway, I, I know the council is all sinisters or not. Right. I don't know how Where that it all lands. how that pieces in with the other books. We don't it's interesting to think we don't really see the other council members in the other books except for Marauders and Kate, but that's all over the place timeline wise. Right. Right? Well, Sage and Beast are are saying to the team essentially like we can hear you, but it's getting spotty and Domino is like, "Hmm." What about this database? You interested in this database? You want to get some of that goodness, Sage? And she's like, yes, yeah. please. I do. This has been an upgrade to Arcady, Omega Red, his tentacles being able to interface with technology mm. and, and to be able to download all of this information. Yeah. And that's crazy. It is. And the fact that he's not only downloading it but he's somehow connected to the x-force computer system you know like he's not downloading it into himself but he's somehow wirelessly to the cloud transmitting it to them through his tentacles yeah well i mean which is good because something doesn't happen right for him Mm -hmm. watch out though because there happens to be this giant concoction of crazy mutant energy i feel like this is one of my favorite panels of the omni mutant we don't see a lot of them throughout the issue Mm -hmm. it's only teased last issue and then we do get some background battles as omega red's doing his uplink but Mm -hmm. yeah this out of the shadows and sneaking up on deadpool but all of the information that they're taking from xeno names titles contact information of all their operatives it's not just what they've been working on. It's the Gene Engineer's plan for global domination. Which is crazy like, to know that he's he's cloning people and then replacing them with versions of them that not only he can control, but that have elements of these mutants in them. Yeah. And it, you know, I know I say it every time and you always say that's the classic. That's what they do. But it really grinds my gears that all of these people are so mad about mutants and then they just take their powers and use them for themselves. Right. It's yeah. just jealousy. It's it's jealousy. It's hypocrisy. It's not wanting to be left behind. It's seeing what's happening naturally because of evolution and saying, no, I will not be the, the Cro-Magnum mm-hmm. era, whatever, from House of X and Powers of Ten. And to think how similar 
this is to Sinister's approach. Right. Like this is just Sinister light. This mm-hmm. is Sinister on a much longer game plan because he doesn't have eggs and he doesn't have his own powers because he's got to outsource that to other people. I wonder, you know, there was like the complaint that we had to wait so long to find out about the Peacock Man and this and that. Like, I wonder if the reason that it had to be pushed was because the storyline of Sins of Sinister was also brewing and if Ben Percy had let this go long ago, Sins of Sinister wouldn't feel as special because we'd be like oh yeah well we already saw Zeno do that in X-Force yeah well he didn't succeed so I think that's the difference right but yeah he hasn't merely been experimenting with mutants he's been replacing business leaders politicians military cloning people and replacing them throughout the world this command to stay uplinked right and the data page that gives us the detail of his roster of recruits, the the I was a we, Zeno is everywhere, Zeno is everyone, and just the notes of Quentin Choir in multiple of these people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it doesn't matter what's happening with the team, Omega Red. We need this information, so you need to stay connected. And the team is causing a bit of a ruckus because though the engineer is about to do exactly what Max is afraid of. Chop him up into itty-bitty pieces and make a new one. He's distracted by the noise coming from the other room. I love as Sage realizes what Beast's solution is. So they're talking about all this data that they're downloading. And he's he's realizing that the Peacock Man has threaded Kid Omega into all of the cloned bodies. So to maintain some level of control and loyalty in all of his creations. Like we can use that to... What? What? Then what? Like, like Sage off panel is like, what are you? What are you thinking about? Yeah. What are you dreaming what are you of? Saying? The battle is just so destructive. This this page at the top. This panel at the top where Domino is just trying as much as she can, but everything is just getting slapped and slammed. Deadpool getting crushed. Omega Red getting sprayed upon with all of this degenerative. Yeah. Do those death spores taste familiar? I developed them from your genetic makeup. When did he have Omega Red? Was was that when he was enlisted with Mikhail? Maybe. But just looking at Omega Red's face as it disintegrates. Yeah, he. Uh, I don't think he's making it out. No, he did not jump back on the plane. He was very absent at the end of the issue. Oh, man. But the this is the detail that's the real killer. His evil villain monologue as the gene engineer comes out from the shadows and relishes in the fact that Domino, you are my first and best success. I've been lucky ever since. Mm-hmm. So to, to know that that's been contributing to his successes ever since the start is really interesting. Right. It's it's like a gut punch for Domino. Wanting right. to know like, even though I got away from you, you're still using me to your advantage. Yeah. And also the way that he just kind of like tosses her to the side and he's like really interested in keeping Deadpool around, but says, well, I already got what I needed from you, Domino. Like you're disposable essentially. Yeah. And then. Gotta call it out. Loving the the mutant versus mutate line, especially because in our Patreon episode, I called Deadpool a mutant and I was shut down immediately. Yeah, because, you know, I am one of the nerds that would get pissed (laughs) off if you lump him in with them. Yep. Yes. 
I'm glad that Max takes a stand and, yeah. and takes control to take down the gene engineer. Yeah, Max is here to save the day. He's not taking any more of this crap. He's ready for his own life to be his life again, and he's not playing games. Yeah, but you know who actually really steps up is Domino. Like, don't don't put this on your soul. Don't yes. murder this man. You're just a child. You're a hyper aged child. Be because of the you know the, the timeline of things right. but still retain some of your innocence and let me slap this guy in the face right because though max wasn't going to kill him with his own hand he was going to basically shut his brain off yeah oh i thought oh he was omni- gonna have the omni mutant with the snicked i thought he was gonna sick him on the huh. gene engineer yeah no that makes sense like, don't do it i'll do it and then she gives him a nice swift backhand to the face this data page I mean, I the one thing that stuck out at the top, Sage's logbook. This is a collection of evidence against Beast. Mm-hmm. It made me want to go through All past issues and, and to pick out the ones that, okay, is this the file that she's saying that we need to amass? Has mm. she already been collecting it just because? Because to be keeping these transcripts in her personal logbook, specifically this excerpt of a conversation, that's really... key to his downfall because this conversation is crazy so you were kind of talking about it a little while ago where he has the gene engineer has control over all of his creations because of the little bit of quentin that he has in everyone and beast is like we're just gonna shut them all down like we're just gonna kill them all just take them all out imagine imagine doing that and just thinking of all the people that are replaced because of this procedure mm-hmm. and them all just collapsing because At of that, right. that would be insanity. That, that would be, be so worldwide crazy. chaos. On top of that, Sage is like, these are still people. Like, they are being controlled and manipulated, but they still exist. And shouldn't we try to think of some other way other than just killing them all? And Beast ends this conversation with a simple, nah. nah. I mean, what she's teasing at is the fact that how is this different from being cloned out of an egg, mm-hmm. right? These people, that's still their genetic base. It's just got something else. It's the fact that when you are resurrected, you come back stronger. You come back with some additional whatever. And same with these folks that now have some mutant DNA threaded within them. Right. Well, you're exactly right in that this is 100% the same as what Sinister is doing, right? Like he's oh, yeah, yeah. bringing them back as clones with a little bit of himself in them in order to control them. But I'd take it a step further and say that there are parts of it that are exactly what Krakoa is doing. Right. And the fact that how can you say that these aren't people when you yourself have died and have been brought back? Mm-hmm. The motives of the gene engineer are definitely more malicious than Krakoa's at large, but I don't know. Also, it just do you think the subjects are aware? Like, did they enlist in this in some way, or has he been taking them? They are Xeno operatives. They are likely well, a part I feel of like that. Like some of them are Xeno operatives, but I feel like some of them might have been manipulated or kidnapped, or you know, especially the ones who hold government seats or things. But then like you that. think about who Xeno was, right? All these shadow organizations from around the world mm-hmm. in their early meetings. These were still already likely the people. In those positions. Right. So maybe they they were all They bought in or... Mm. I don't know. Time for payback. Yeah. And I'm not going to do it. I love this teasing that Domino is doing. It feels very reminiscent of, you know, how she was treated when she was 
held captive and this like maybe I'll take something from over here maybe I'll take something from over here and she's like nah I'm gonna let all your creations show you how they feel about you holding them captive this whole time yeah almost a little bit of emotional connection to the scarring of the gene engineer like what has happened to you who did this to you Mm -hmm. but but at the same time uh you're you're still so much worse yeah my scars don't hurt so bad but these guys they got some problems with you they got some fresh wounds the day has been saved and now it's time to pack up and head home so earlier when you said we don't see omega red at the end of the issue look at the base of the bluebird he's He's like his body is on the ground so they're not leaving his body for any risks to be taken in this facility they're taking it with them you think about the two comics that we've just read back to back and what the genetic material of a a deceased mutant can be used right exactly that's a key move right i i loved x factor and i think that is a reason to bring back if not them some kind of morgue department of Krakoa that okay we're not necessarily investigating dead bodies or or people that need resurrection but we are cleaning up after our missions we're not just letting our mutant genetics float around wherever we may die for anyone to do what they want as soon as we're gone we're not letting 30 skeletons of wolverine just hang out on the orcus forge with tons of adamantium literal tons Mm -hmm. of this precious metal Deadpool's an idiot, but he's not that stupid. <laughs> I love that in, in their mind conversation. Yeah, well, and I also just like this as a connection between Max and Domino because to know that they've both been hurt by the same person, but Max's empathy and and just connection to Nina of what she's been through. Yes, that panel, that bottom panel where he's like asleep on her shoulder and she's like caressing his head. That's such a touching moment. Yeah. We're like, she's taking him home now. And she's taking him home, and she is actually going to approach Krakoa with a new perspective. Like, maybe now Krakoa can feel like home. Yeah, but also knowing that that probably means something bad is going to happen around the corner. Right, because is this really the end of Zeno? I, all right, let's get into that. First off, new blood. That's our our tease for next issue. Mm -hmm. Expert framing in this preview. Yes. As you only see Colossus and Wolverine, Laura Kinney. Which I am so pumped about. What did you think of this issue? I really liked this issue. I thought it was good. Closure for Domino. Another great Domino story. I liked seeing things happen with Max. I have mixed feelings because I think that if... I do think that the similarities between the Xeno storyline and the Sins of Sinister storyline may be a factor in why it we waited so long to get this reveal. But I have mixed feelings because one part of me is like, okay, this chapter is now closed and we can move on. We're getting a new team lineup. We're, we're like new additions to the team. We're turning a new page. Maybe Beast is going to get taken down. X-Force is going to go in a different direction. We're not necessarily going to be tied to these storylines from when it first started. But then I feel also like Zeno and the Peacock Man were built up over so much time. That part. And now they're gone. That part. Like, is that real? Is that dissatisfying? It's it's definitely dissatisfying. So I, I the Peacock Man resolution felt really quick, right? 
for us to be building this guy, this organization in the background on and off throughout the entire run to deal with it quickly across two issues felt like poor pacing. Like I know that there's other things relative that made us start with Zeno and end here in issue 38 to finally wrap that up. That's fine. Mm-hmm. It's just the sped up landing that we had. I just felt like this guy and all of his concoctions, none of it was able to to do anything, to stop anything. I, really, what else could he have done? He's already tampered with, manipulated all of them. It just felt like this team, while they are the murder squad, they were able to just easily defeat and erase all of this data that they had. Well, I don't think... Well, they didn't erase all the data, did they? They just uploaded... The they data to Sage and Beast, and well, then they, they destroyed the, yeah, right. this facility. But I guess a question is the conversation that Beast and Sage were having about just basically turning off all of the puppets that Zeno has throughout. And then Zeno itself as an organization is a much larger organization than just the Engineer slash Peacock Man. So maybe Zeno as a whole isn't gone isn't defeated it's just the peacock man is potentially dead i guess i and just also don't we know never saw a body so yeah that's fair i just feel like th- that's led us to believe that all of that destruction means he's dead sure mm-hmm. we didn't see a body so that's fair uh you'd also need someone to step up into that role that he was filling right and it's not going to be Mikhail. Mm-hmm. The fact that we had all that build up to him being the gene engineer, that made sense for his motivation and his inkling for science and genetics. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they're just going to just going to say, oh, now this guy's going to do it. They're going to lead us. But I would be blown away if this is completely the end of Zeno. Right. I think, you know, it's interesting because. The thought of the peacock man disappearing so quickly, I completely understand. But I also wonder if it if that wasn't the case and they just went away from him just to like play devil's advocate for a second. Would there also be the feeling of like, oh, God, now we're still going with this. But this this thread that started however long ago isn't wrapped up yet. You know, I feel like it could go either way. People could feel either side of it. Yeah, I guess I just feel like we we. Put the time in, right? We got here mm-hmm. and it just felt like we got, what, four issues of Craven and two issues of the Gene Engineer? So you're just saying you would have liked a little bit more runway. story to go on a little bit longer. I would have liked him to put up a bit more of a fight mm. for him to have been built up as this guy who has his own private army of mutant human concoctions. Yeah. It just felt like he was easily defeated by three mutants, three operatives of X-Force. It's interesting that you say that because I feel like he was actually defeated by Max. Sure. Because what I got from it was that the whole reason that they were able to do that and the whole reason that those creations were able to come and attack him at the end when Domino left him there was because Max... Stood up for himself. Stood up for himself and removed the... Like he used his telepathy to unblock their brains or uncontrol their brains. And that's essentially what 
was giving him that power was that he had mental control over all of them. Yeah. And I'm sure Max was a big part in how he had mental control over them unless he because it doesn't seem like he cloned himself to give himself those powers. So he had to be somehow puppeting them through like how was he connecting to the children kid omega of it all, yeah. you know? I don't know. But that's a good point that Max is who saves the day, mm-hmm. right? Domino was thrown to side, Omega Red was dead, and Deadpool was... Needing five more minutes yeah, to recover. Right. And Max flipping on him was the the, the child standing up to Papa mm-hmm. that we needed. The 11 of it all. A.M. Friedrich wonders, do you think the Peacock Man is actually dead? Is what we're talking about, but... Mm. I mean, X-Force left him to his creation's whims and then blew up the facility. Seems like he should be done, but it's kind of odd that they built up all of this to reveal his identity, and it took so many issues just to have him die an issue later. And that was exactly what I, I responded to, Adam, and just like, that that is exactly what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. It just It just felt like it fell a little flat. It's interesting because I feel that a lot of people were feeling that that, in the previous issue when it was like, oh, and that's it. That's the Peacock Man. And this just kind of furthered that feeling. Well, because I didn't feel it the last issue. What I got from folks last time was the dissatisfaction with the reveal. Mm-hmm. And it was, and we even talked about it, like what else, who else could it have been that would make you feel, right. you know, I, I kind of liked that as a reveal and, and especially to thread it into the story that this had happened all along and, this was always the Gene Engineer's cloned son and the facility of all these children. Warlines checking off boxes. All right, Zeno, check. Beast, ongoing. Mikhail Rasputin and the Chronicler, ongoing. Kid Omega, ongoing. So for how long do you think Percy will stay on these titles? Because with the wrapping up of his first and most important plot, I think he's not sticking around for long. And Warlines been wondering that for a little while now. He's kind of bringing that up i would argue that xeno leans is this way but beast has always been the bigger plot like when we talked to ben he said he was drawing this confrontation between wolverine and beast to be the core of the story this head in the heart this right and wrong what will you do in service of the nation and what is taking it too far the fact that he has recently added omega red and deadpool to the roster and is Additionally, adding Wolverine and Colossus feels like he's got at least another trade or two. I don't know. Right. And I think it's so interesting bringing up Mikhail and and the fact that Colossus is now going to be on the X-Force team. That, I don't know why I didn't make that connection of the chaos that could ensue from that. Yeah. But that just makes it even more exciting to me. I mean, I don't know. I, I hope... Ben Percy doesn't go anywhere anytime soon just because I really love the way he writes both of these books. But I do see Warline's point of like, okay, we're we're wrapping up those things. Does that mean it's time for another writer to... Another writer or another focus? Mm-hmm. You know, is Wolverine going to continue to be a solo book? I'd assume so just because mm-hmm. it sells as Wolverine. Wolverine, right? So is there a need for... The fall of X. If Krakoa falls, is there a need for a CIA of Krakoa? Right. Right? And is it Beast that leads us to fall of X or part of? Right? We right. went on the Sabretooth train last time, but 
Is it <laughs> we can multiple? get on lots of different trains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You we can, can get connecting trains. We can theorize trains. about it nonstop because probably no matter what we think it is, it's going to be none of those things. Sure, right. Warline's also bringing up Beast and the timeline that you were talking about. And I think that we're all on the same page that Wolverine happens after X-Force. Mm-hmm. Or Wolverine's timeline is much longer than how it's been released in issues because the mm-hmm. team does remark about the fact that he's not there he's not around right but i think he spent time in the pit longer than we saw in publication yes you're talking about just the ability for beast to be able to operate on krakoa when he's done all of these crimes all of these breaking of laws right. of krakoa i i would bring up the fact that beast believes himself to be above that law all laws you know the fact that he tried to kill jeff bannister and his daughter beast can do whatever he wants right you know x-force protocols is a thing the force protocols the fact that the cia can murder and it's not murder that's all's fair in love and war you know if if it's for safety of the nation right it's the same it's the same thing for mystique on that trip where she was supposed to blow up Nimrod. No, you could have you could have done stuff because you know that doesn't apply to right, you. Right, because it doesn't matter. The rules right. don't apply when the people making the rules break them. Sure, right. I mean, that's one way to phrase it. And I think that that has some truth to it. It's it's not a, a crime in defense of a nation. Mm-hmm. And that's but got that's some where murky... right. That's where it gets tricky. Right. That's got murky territory around it too. Who says that it's defense versus attack on yeah. someone else? Eric Huffman liked X-Force but felt it wrapped up a bit easy with the long build. And that's the other thing. It was, it was really easy. And the kind of gift of the database was a wild card that I wasn't expecting. It was interesting seed through, but it feels like X-Force is on the up and up. You know, is Beast going to take over this network of politicians and leaders? I feel like that's more his bag than just killing them all. Yeah. Yeah, that he would totally do that. Honestly, I feel like we should kill them all so he doesn't have that right, opportunity. So he can't take them over. <laughs> Pigeoneer sure got what he had, what he had <laughs> coming to. I I s- sat there and tried to read what that said, not thinking that it was Pigeoneer. The Pigeoneer. But then that made me laugh out loud before we were recording. And Alicia was like, what's going on? What are you doing? Eric uh, Huffman for the win. He got what he was coming, what was coming to him, and his downfall was his own doing, and it really was. It was mm-hmm. just the way that he treated other people right? in the same way that he was treated by his clone dad. That's all we got for X Force. I'm interested to see where this title goes. I feel like we've spent a lot of time with the Pigeoneer. Mm-hmm. May he rest in fiery ashes and never return. Or I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think my personal takeaway is that this is just launching us into a new storyline for X-Force and I'm I'm okay with it. But I do see what you're saying that and, and what other people are saying and that it feels like it wrapped up really quick. Yes. I can respect that opinion. Good. <laughs> but now it's time for Rogue and Gams. Sugar and Spice. The Sugar and Spice. And Destiny's Not Nice. Mm-hmm. I love this cover. This cover is great. And I got to say, I've seen this cover as a preview. I've seen you post it. And I really always just focused in on 
Rogue and Gambit and Destiny. And it's not until after that I'm really noticing like, hey, there's Manifold. Hey, there's Lady Deathstrike. Yeah. And just all caught up in Destiny's web of future. Mm -hmm. I think this is a great cast of characters to start out with. I do too. Yeah. Let's dig in. Page turn noise. Gambit's drunken fight. Kind of outrageous, but a bit lovable. You know, I he's, think it's so funny. Right. Yeah. It's it's silly. It's just his expressions, his just the the bubbles around his head, the effect on his word balloons. Shout out to the letterer here. Yes. Also really like the the beginning where he's like trying to play like suggest different card games and he's like i'd even be down for a game of crazy eight right right <laughs> uh, he's just so drunk and he's getting jumped by who i thought were hand ninjas but i guess are the thieves guild yeah i totally the thieves thought they were guild. i totally thought they were hand ninjas too i just think he's like he's clearly not got the upper hand here and when he's like oh i have you guys surrounded but like literally it's the other way around he's just stalling Mm -hmm. hoping that after however many hours he's been waiting rogue Rogue will come in and save the day and she does look at his face i love it like this this was the part that i was like oh the smile on his face when he sees her has me sold you know whatever whatever argument they end up getting in later on He's just so happy to see her. Yeah. And I think that it's that's what just makes it so fun is that like she's like, oh, dang it, Remy, you're drunk. And he's like, yeah, but I love you. Hi, thanks for coming. But also you kept me waiting. Yeah. So what else was I supposed to and do? And you late, Rogue, but I wasn't going to mention that. <laughs> and then he almost throws up in her face. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Disgusting. This the relationship woes that they're uncovering here. This passive fight about their plans. It seems there's some seated angst about talking or spending time together, like not having that right. time together, which I totally see in the books. Rogue's been on the X Men. Gambit's been off in other world. Yeah, and I think it's this interesting kind of feeling that they both know that it's not necessarily the other one's fault, and they both want to be mad at the situation but they also have the guilt of knowing like well yeah but then i'm off on a mission sometimes too yeah and and just the point of well we're not talking about it sober so we got to talk about it drunk or it's just gonna brew or we're not gonna talk about it yeah which takes us to a perfect little title page mr and mrs don't puke on me she's rogue he's gambit buy a girl another ring first Written by Stephanie Phillips, art by Carlos Gomez, colors by David Curiel with Federico Blee, letters Ariana Maher. VCs Ariana Maher. Steve Morris on the cover. Let's let's get into that fuzzy timeline with Lady Deathstrike's transport because... How she's over here if she's also hanging out with Deadpool. Deadpool. And what even happened? Like, what happened? Did she get arrested? Yeah, or why are she we just, in this transport? Are we just ignoring that? Is it a Krakoan book? It just feels odd to have it placed with no... I it mean, does, but it definitely is a Krakoan book because they reference oh, like, yeah, yeah. being on the X-Men. and. No, I, I just point that out because there's very loose ties making Deadpool a... a... Oh, you mean... Uh, okay. You mean is Deadpool a Krakoan yes. book? Yes. Gotcha. No, th- this is clearly a Krakoan book. You have multiple characters that are x-men plus a council member later appearing well 
Whatever the reason is that she's here, she's not here for long. No, because her transport epic action sequence breaking around this this feels like almost every action movie that you watch with a, a transporting a bad guy yes and, the classic and we don't find out who has recruited her however there are electric situations here it appears that these guards have been electrified in mm-hmm. some way you might say yeah gotta love this Cajun Spice text message. Yes, yes. Here for it. I just, I love his playful attitude and and just the fact that he's been stood up and has gotten drunk because of it. You know, I'm not saying it's Rogue's fault. Things happen, especially when you're a superhero. And But if I was Gambit, 100%. 100% I would have ordered a bottle of wine and I would have opened that wine and I would have drank that whole bottle of wine and I probably would have gotten in a fight. I think it's really funny, like, reading this comic to parallel you and I, because, like, not at all saying, like, look at me, I'm rogue, I'm on the X-Men, but, like, the sassy, silly quips of Gambit very much remind me of your sassy, silly quips. Aha. And the fact that Rogue is busy all the time. Yep. And I'm busy all the time. You know, it just... It feels like this is this is right, as this was our our first ever couple's Halloween costume together all those years ago. That is also before true. Before I even knew really what I was getting myself into, it was the perfect choice. Yep, yep. Now for some hotel banter. The situation before you and our couple. They're talking about the problems that are going on between them, the... the hangover that gambit's now struggling with the, this was supposed to be a vacation yeah well why'd you take a job you know why'd you go off and mm-hmm. go crazy i will say the voice of and i've said it i've hinted towards it the voice of both of these characters but mainly gambit is extremely different from how he's been portrayed in captain marvel currently mm. like this is playing up a ham joke a lot and, and almost to the detriment of that character representation. Even if I do love how silly it is. Right. It's just, it's very off. And there's nothing like a romantic hotel stay being interrupted by one of your moms. But like, where was she? Yeah, I don't know. Where was she in this hotel room that they were just pacing? Rogue was just pacing. How did she just appear? She doesn't teleport. Yeah, where was she hiding? Show yourself. The surprise on all of their faces is just priceless. Like how how did you not know that there was a third person in here? Right. How did she get here? And she's still going strong with this idea that she's not into Gambit. She doesn't approve of him. Well, that's kind of and it really was only seated in that X-Men issue by mm-hmm. Jerry, right? That that was the first time that we even had any interaction between destiny and gambit to my knowledge and what was a great joke has been furthered even more into a character dynamic but maybe it was a joke that needed to be seated in order for this issue to happen sure and it does feel like it's picking up the premonitions that destiny had Mm-hmm. bring me manifold i can't tell you anymore yeah okay what yeah, we're just going to kidnap an Avenger 
just because you said so? Like, yeah, listen, you're going to have to take it as that. Tough cookies, go do it. And Rogue's like, okay, then we need to find Manifold. Well, they're talking about Manifold's current perspective on Krakoa post-brand and otherwise. Mm. And how he's not really uh, down for the X. Right, he's out. So you might have some trouble, especially without any information. (laughs) Cut to the next panel where he is laughing hysterically at them. And I say the the lack of X because other than the jacket that he throws on later on that has the sword emblem, he has no X insignia on him, right? Rogue's got the belt. Gambit's in his classic outfit that never really had an X on it anyway. But it's just interesting. Even Rogue has the design in In the corner of it. Everyone's snapping on Gambit. Why are you a joke? I do want to call out the fact that Bran's betrayal seems to be common knowledge. The fact that Rogue knows this, right? She she brings up, you know, what happened with Bran. And it's very, you know, it's it's not specifically cited in this editor's note. It's just, you know, you've been reading X-Men Red, right? Well, it does say that time Abigail Bran tried to start an intergalactic war. Right. You've been reading X-Men Red, right? (laughs) If not, get, get to it. Sure. But Manifold's on his own mission tracking villains or at least a majority of villains who have been taken mid-transport all the same way and rogue jumps at this as an opportunity to offer help right if they can do something for him then he might feel obligated to do something for them i mean he says it flat out i'm not going to do anything with destiny (laughs) don't like you're welcome to come but this isn't going to change my mind she's like yeah 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 we'll see manifold's mission report on the data page i mean a lot of people called out and it's fair juggernaut why is he on this page what how how that makes even less sense than deathstrike just because of his involvement with legion of x Mm -hmm. and his candidacy as a potential x-men member right you know it it did state that they're primarily or or mostly villains for me it's less about the villain part and more about just the timeline and consistency with where this falls into what Juggernaut is currently doing in the books. Well, Juggernaut technically has three months of free time because of Sins of Sinister. Legion of X got pulled into Sins of Sinister, so who even knows what Juggernaut was doing? Maybe he was in transport to someplace on Earth and I don't know. Ghost Rider was riding him. Ghost Rider Banshee, Spirit of Variance. Yeah, and now he's nowhere to be seen in Nightcrawlers. I'm yeah. saying like, like something happened. They separated. They did not continue their All right. combo move. And Juggernaut is now involved in this. I also want to point out the fact that all of these characters have very different power sets. Indeed. And they seem to be being taken for a specific purpose because they are, I don't know, is is another person going to make an Omni-Mutant? Is another person going to chop them into bits and use them? For me, this whole issue is like kind of exploding my brain in multiple places because we're also talking about connections to Coven Akaba and Betsy and what's happening with Captain Britain. And that's like, wait, what? Which is weird because for something to be seemingly so seeded into other books, but to really kind of ignore character dynamics that are otherwise a big part of those books. It feels like there's got to be some sort of explanation as to how that all makes sense. And I don't know about Absorbing Man. I don't think he's a mutant. I think Vanisher is the only actual mutant on this list. Oh, interesting. interesting. And, and especially the prepared for the Avengers 
list, right? So we are in an abandoned Stark laboratory. That's where Manifold is held up. And he was a former Avenger, still seems to have some friendly ties with the Avengers. I like that. I think yeah. that seeds further into that free comic book day cover. Yes. Some some collaboration with the A-Team. Now let's wrap it up with a Death Strike deal. Just in what you said before of like classic movie moment. 100%. Here's another classic movie moment. Here's a dirty deal and the the airport. And if you didn't recognize it, we're going to call it out in a very wordy sentence. Is Gambit still drunk? I don't know. <laughs> Could be. Could be. It wasn't very long, I don't think. So to think either these people have been the ones, so this this group has been the ones that have been taking all of these people and selling them to Ruben. That's what I was getting out of it, yeah. Right. So they somehow have the ability to use electric powers because that's right. cited in the data page. The fact that is Electro an, a victim or an accomplice? How right. is he involved in this with especially all this electricity? Right. And these chips that are seemingly controlling. Or at least completely eliminating powers without. You know, just, I mean, when one person has a power dampener, everybody has a power dampener. And that gets a little crazy. But right. To, to level it up to another tier and to be able to place that chip onto people and completely control them. And it's not just mutants, right? Deathstrike is not a mutant. Right. It's it's like some sort of just like computer chip that makes you susceptible to whatever this person wants you to do. Like I wonder if it just kind of like shuts you down and waits until you're you're given an order. Maybe. And then you do something. Because Deathstrike is very just chill. Yeah. Just standing there. She seems very subdued, like almost like she's drugged and she's just standing there while then, you know, Remy's card comes in and disrupts the deal and we think we're going to have a giant fight and then what happens is, boom, I press this button and none of y'all's powers work. Yeah. I don't think that the the card exploded the device. So I'm assuming that Deathstrike is still under control. Oh, yeah. No, I just meant like, exploded the situation no no no, i know i'm just i'm just piecing this out loud there's no strike of this device that this woman is using it seems to just be i pushed a button in your general vicinity and that knocked out your powers which is ridiculous that's crazy super powerful and then manifold to throw rogan gambit into his last ditch to get them out of there and to just sit there like this is a a sacrifice or he's got a long game plan. Right. I assume he's got a long game plan. Right, because he just drops to his knees. Right. If I was an unlimited lives mutant who has the ability to come, like I'd be fighting to my death right here. Right. You're not taking me alive. Maybe he wants to be taken. That's what I'm saying. So that he can kind of see what's up. Right. That's what I'm saying is that this, this has to be a plan of his that he's trying to get in on this organization that he's been tracking. But that's a crazy plan because you know that they've got these, like, well, I guess you don't know, but depending on how much of the conversation that they heard as they were approaching about this guy now having control over Deathstrike, he, he's just surrendering himself to be a prisoner. If you're just being a regular old prisoner and you're like, yeah, okay, eventually I can get my way out, but you're getting chipped, bro. Yeah. Like, yeah. how are you getting out of this? To be continued. We don't know. Speak to the universe, my guy. Destiny looks grim. Big picture. I really liked this issue, but it 
just put 4 billion questions in my mind, which is not a bad thing. But I'm like, how does this connect to Krakoa? What's the timeline? What does Destiny know? Why is Manifold involved? Plus there's these other these other villains who are now needing to be saved. And who's the big boss? You know? Who's the boss who's constructing all of this? Yeah. Because she's like, oh, my boss is not going to be happy. And then, ooh, here's another one for the boss. And her boss is obviously whoever is selling these super-powered beings. Yeah, yeah, So who's her boss? I mean, that's just issue one questions. Is I what know, saying. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is good. Intrigued to read further. I was more on the line of questioning of like, how does this work with yeah. these characters? And why is Gambit so sad? <laughs> Uh, you know, it, it felt like it wants to be Exterminators, the domestic edition. You know, like like it's oh, interesting. Same artist, same punchy, jokey dialogue. Oh, yeah. I recognize the art. You want to know how? How's that? Butts. Butts. Loves, Robes, you know, butts. Super powered, big butts. <laughs> butts and boobs, honestly. That was the pitch from Leah Williams, right? Let's just give Dazzler a dump truck ass and we'll sell books. Yes. Honestly, it was butts, but it was also faces like rogue's face feels very along the lines of how i would say like dazzler's face looked yeah not that they look the same at all but just like the structure of the eyes and proportions and things like that yeah well you know it has the same big characterization some of it a little one note gambit feels like this sad sitcom husband who just can't get anything right uh men and it's kind of you know as a gambit fan it's a little sad it's funny because i didn't really get that from gambit well i don't think you know gambit other than what you've seen in the krakoan era well i'm i mean i read the entire gambit series with you sure and seen gambit in the brood and seen him in knights of x and it just felt like excalibur this just felt like a very one note of his personality played up and that's all i'm saying yeah it just didn't feel like all of gambit Hmm. Well, I think he was drunk for most of it, so maybe it'll get better. Hopefully, uh, because that is a part of who he is, but it's just a part of it. I, I do think there's an interesting thing that's more on the side or bubbling underneath the surface, this trouble in paradise between Rogue and Gambit, uh, and the fact that they haven't been able to spend much time together, and just here for more Destiny content. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's great, and more Manifold content. Yeah. The team is solid. The characterization is a little lacking in my mind, but here to see how it plays out for sure. Because I did have fun. I did like and enjoy reading this. Mm-hmm. I it, respect that Gambit is like one of your, like Gambit is one, like your Cater Emma, right? Like he's in your Gambit, Nightcrawler, uh, Wolverine. Like that's your grouping of characters you feel connected to. Maybe. I'd say more I feel connected to than he's like a favorite. Uh, maybe like top 15 top 20 but he's not breaking that top five anytime soon and he's struggling to get anywhere near the top 10 well i was trying to say with that was like if it's a character that you feel a certain way in your heart and then you feel like they're done dirty or not represented well like i respect that 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 is very much so what it is every time anybody asks like which mutant would you want to get a a beer with or Mm want to hang out with it's gambit Gambit, we'd be blowing stuff up and stealing. And that sounds like a great time. 
we be getting drunk and causing ruckus. Like this is this is exactly who Justin used to be. College Justin and Gambit would get into so much trouble. We would be arrested immediately. (laughs) College slash mid twenties, late twenties, Justin. It was rough, y'all. It's crazy out there. These streets are wild. Am Friedrich thinks that it's kind of strange that Juggernaut is one of the missing villains. Shouldn't he be in the altar doing Legion stuff? And yeah, I mean, agreed. Agreed. Curious as to how a number of timeline things math out with people and where they are and what they're doing. But I do want to call back to that point that is like primarily villains because it doesn't seem like this is only targeting villains. It seems like it's targeting people with a specific set of skills. That, I have a specific yeah, set yeah. of skills. A very particular set of skills. <laughs> I will find you. Gravel Road Cosplay just realized that any part of Destiny's outfit that wasn't blue was her skin. LOL. <laughs> oh, my God. And a fun read, by the way. Yeah, right? That's funny. Warline said, a Rogue and Gambit book that doesn't get Rogue and Gambit's characterization right? Question mark, question mark. But also Manifold with his uncharacteristic annoyance over vagueness. That... Manifold's reaction to this, I I felt like this really dug a stake into this idea that he wants to distance himself from Krakoa, mm. which I guess that's been kind of vague in the Krakoan era. He's only really been associated with Sword, which has very intentionally been distanced from Krakoa. And he has, you know, he has his own country, he has his own people and connection to Australia. Yeah. I mean, I will leave it to other X fans because... In a lot of Krakoa, I know that it's been said that both Rogue and Gambit have sort of gotten the shaft and been put on the back burner in a yeah. lot of books. So I'll leave it to y'all. If if the general consensus is that this characterization doesn't feel like it's right for them, then I totally believe you. But I had a lot of fun reading this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to downplay the fun that was had. It right. just doesn't track up to the books in the collection. And that's totally fair. Curls is obsessed with Carlos Gomez's drawing and yes. especially her faves, you know, to have Rogan Gambit under his pen. Big mm-hmm. win. Are you nervous about their rocky relationship? I'm ready for some drama. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't Curls, want any, no. I don't want any drama with Rogan Gambit. I'll be honest. I they love need- the drama. It sells the books. It's, it's very interesting. But this is my favorite ex-couple. They need to stay together. I don't, I don't want any of that nonsense in my life. Yeah. I need some constants, and Rogan Gambit is one of them. If they can't do it, who can? Spider's Rules wonders, did the Rogan Gambit book make you really dislike Destiny? Well, honestly, Destiny has been making me really dislike Destiny <laughs> in general lately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like I had said this in a previous episode that sometimes I forget that she's you know, a villain. That's her Always history, has been, right? Is villainy. Yeah. Um, Married to Mystique. Right, right. <laughs> you know, it doesn't get more whole, villainous like, than that. Right, because of the whole Krakoa forgives, Krakoa's for all, start over on Krakoa. So Destiny, she kind of makes me want to punch her in the face. Like, all the time. She's so shady. I think there's this like idea that she puts forward that all of her talking to people about her premonitions is is for the good of the people or to help you, but really, but it's, really it's a, just about yeah. her. Well, I mean, you could say that about almost any mutant. Right. <laughs> right? But like there's, you know, her, because 
we'll get into this when we talk about Sins of Sinister, but in rereading the issues, the amount of times that Destiny says to people, we need to be on the same side, like, I don't trust that at all anymore. No, yeah. Because, like, what does that even mean? We need to be on the same side so I can move my plans further down the line. Right. It's not about you. It's not about we. It's not about we. It's about we right now. Mm -hmm. So, me, it's, it's a survivor truce you know the show survivor is like yeah we're yeah. we're in an alliance this is an alliance until it's not until it's not because i have to win obviously there can only be one winner right so to answer that question i would say she hasn't done anything yet in this issue to make me be like "Ooh, destiny i'm out but i definitely get shady business vibes from her for sure eric huffman said that the art in Rogan Gambit was fantastic. So excited we get to see more of Carlos Gomez's work in a short time. And I would agree that yes. that was one of the highlights, one of the many highlights of Exterminators was... The art, yeah. The art, 100%. And he's wondering, why wouldn't Manifold go with them? I need a refresher because is it Brand's abusing leadership? There was no trust there. And there's been this idea that he doesn't trust the idea of Krakoa. Mm. And I, I kind of agree with him because of all this power that you're assembling and, and just even not the the ripple effects that are happening because of it, but that how that's influencing others' actions. The only other thing I could think of of like why he didn't go with them is that they were essentially having their powers drained by whatever button this lady pressed, right? So maybe he like literally has no more energy like he created this portal and then he like fell to his knees because he's been completely drained of all his energy and he couldn't go with them oh i think eric meant in the pitch of like help us with oh, destiny gotcha. versus at the end at the i, I end. would 100 percent agree that he was drained in his power and he was like okay last ditch i'm here because i'm trying to infiltrate this secret group save you and then You'll come back with your powers and save, save me later me. on, right? Yeah, but I mean, I'm thinking like maybe he didn't want to just, maybe he wasn't trying to do some undercover plot. Maybe he just really like essentially like almost passed out from using, like forcing whatever he had left of his energy to create that portal that they went through. But yeah, going back to the actual question, which I clearly misunderstood. Um, yeah, I, I've gotten that sense though through Sword, like, that he really is kind of fed up and has always sort of been like, well, why am I even here? I just kind of want to go back, take care of my home and not be dealing with all of your Krakoan drama. Yeah. That's all of our questions. Not my chair, not my problem. For Rogue and Gambit. Mm-hmm. It's time to take a trip down to year 10. What? in the Nathaniel Essex is even going on right now. Honestly, we don't always know, um, but we're here to talk about it and figure it out together. Because because it's only going to get even more crazy. So we're doing a little refresh question and answer of where we're at in year 10 of Sins of Sinister to get us ready for what will be year 100. Yeah. We put it out to the world what have you been thinking? What have you been feeling? What have you been enjoying or not so much? Got two polls talking two about polls. Sins of Sinister. Right, We have had four issues so far exploring where we started in Immortal X-Men number 10 and getting us to year one from that point, year five from that point, year 10 from that point. 
and some some pieces in between. Yeah. So we've got four issues, mm-hmm. two polls across those four issues. What is the best of the first four issues of Sins of Sinister? What's your favorite been so far? Oh, Immoral X-Men, 100%. 100%. No Emma, contest. Emma, get it, get it. Emma, Emma, Frost. Yeah. No, I mean, I actually think the, the first Sins of Sinister, like the overall intro big issue is the, the best of them. Uh, but I really loved what happened with Emma. In Immoral X-Men. The folks of both polls agree that Sins of Sinister number one has been the best issue so far. Okay, that's fair. Number two, Storm and the Brotherhood. Uh, Yeah, well, because Storm, come on. Number three, Immoral X-Men. Okay, number four, Nightcrawlers. Nightcrawlers. Sorry, Cy. But some, some decent differences in their percentages. It mm. was interesting that both polls followed that same result. Oh, Sins really? of Sinister was number one for both polls. Storm was number two on both polls. Immoral X-Men was number three, and Nightcrawlers was number four. Wow. So it's a consistent consensus from X-Fans. Yeah. I'm not going to do the math. It's just out there. We all agree. <laughs> uh, so I, I just wanted to walk through kind of big picture thoughts to lay a, lay a base. And mm-hmm. then we have a bunch of questions from folks, and we're going to talk about Sins of Sinister. Okay. And I had put it out to you to reread the four issues. I did it. I did. I started with Immortal X-Men number nine. I started with Sins of Sinister number one. Yeah. <laughs> but if you think about it, the run-up to this event and to this idea has been happening since Immortal X-Men number one. That yes. entire series has been a lead in for this event. Yeah. Ever since I mean, they've been doing other stuff, you know, they've been, they've been tying into events, they've been tying into different activities, but that first reveal of the Moira clone and the Moira machine, that is the sin of sinister. Right. That's that's what kicks us off. That's what gives you the clue that this guy's up to more than his general no good. And so what I do and what I try to do when I go through issues to get a sense of okay notes or or breakdown is i try to boil it down to what's what's the what's the one thing that this issue did for the story okay and then i usually go a little bit deeper and i do like all right what's what's this page doing for the story how do we build from there but looking at it to just give us a base so immortal nine that trial and error so Mm -hmm. sinister has his clones of moira and he's resetting he's trying to take out hope and a decent amount of the council. That, right. That's his goal. And he finally accomplishes it. And he does it in spectacular supervillain fashion. <laughs> and that was the the key detail from Kate. Which is like, who thinks of this stuff? Supervillains. Supervillains. That's who do. Yeah, and you're right. Like, even though Sins of Sinister number one is the official kickoff, immoral, immortal number nine really, that's... That's how we get here. That's how we, that's the jump in. I almost went as far back as number eight Mm -hmm. because that's when the different suits split off. Oh, yeah. That's the reveal that Nathaniel Essex with his Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, kind of the the interference of Apocalypse and what that meant to him. Just read all of Immortal X-Men again. Yeah, that'll get you there. (laughs) Trial and error. Immortal X-Men number nine. First successes, Immortal X-Men number 10. Mm. So he has taken out the council, specifically the four telepathic members of the council. And he is now, because he's taken out Hope, 
he's been able to replace each of them with a sinisterized version of themselves. Yes. So he has his little seedy sinister fingers in some really deep pockets of the council. And this is the guy that we should have never trusted with the keys to our genetic kingdom from the start. Moira, Moira even said that. Why'd you do that? Don't trust that guy. He led to the destruction of everything in life six. Why would you do that again? Life six, life nine. I don't remember. One of the lives. One of the lives. The apocalypse one. But his first, like, I love that issue. It's crazy looking back and seeing how much of Immortal as a whole was seeding just these plots of Mr. Sinister. Yeah. Now, number number one of Sins of Sinister. We actually start the event. That is his decade-long plot. That is, he has what he wants, and he's now going to play with it. Right. How do we get all the moving pieces into place? What's happening with each member of the council? What's happening with each sinister version of the mutants that he's created? How are the building blocks of the sinister empire coming together? Right. And if you think about just the layers of manipulation at play, not just the fact that Sinister is manipulating the council members, so he has infiltrated their thoughts, he has turned them to the red diamond. Yeah. But even he sells it with his pull into the pit and his screams and, and just terror as he's being dragged into that pit. Like, that's all for show. Right. He knows he's got a way out. Oh, no, I can't possibly go into the pit. What could happen to get me out of here? Which is really interesting if you think about that first Immortal X-Men issue and we're getting all the sinister secrets and you know you're getting each one kind of correlates to an issue. And the one where he's being pulled into the the pit has that sort of like fake drama to it. And then it's like, this is fine. Yeah, everything's fine. So, all right. The council has been kind of killed and resurrected as Sinister. Sinister has been taken off the board. No one knows that Xavier, Emma, Exodus, and Hope are now Sinisterized versions of themselves. Mm -hmm. There was something in Hope's DNA that we find out in this issue that was correcting Sinister's earlier attempts of corrupting mutants in the resurrection process. So he wanted to be doing this the whole time. And this is the issue where we really learn that in order for him to make the change that he wants to, he has to take out hope, but he can't just take out hope because that's too suspicious. So taking out the whole council and then getting control of multiple people is really the road to go down. Yeah. We jump to year one plus one. Mm-hmm. The amount that's changed in only one year to be in this almost post-apocalyptic, like futurized world of New York mm-hmm. where everybody's trying to get the sinister gene to, to kill off Krakoa and make it look like Orcus did it. That was the craziest. To, the craziest. But you see why he did it, right? Right. But it's like, he didn't like kill off Krakoa. He just fried Krakoa's brain. Right. Krakoa still is the island that they live on, or at least the mutant nation is still a part of. And to pin it on Orcus too, like that... If, if he wasn't such a shit about it, like right. that would be so good. Right. And we need that. Mm-hmm. Just it's Orcus's fault, y'all. And at the same time, jeopardizing all of the human backups. Oh, sorry. You know, that gift that we just gave you and have been slowly seeding myself into all of you. Uh, Whoopsie. We've got magical ways of fixing it, but you don't. There's no magic for you humans. 
and we get our, our series of one pages. Each could have been its own story. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we talked about that in our episode about this, but each issue or each page of this run-up, so like the Thanos War, yeah. Namor and Doom, the betrayal of Doom by a sinisterized Namor, the destruction of the Eternals at the hand of Uranus, the, the Fantastic Four, and just kill to kill all of these Marvel heroes because he knows they pose threats. Did he sinisterize all of them? Well, that's what he's trying to do, I think, right? Like, the more he people he kills, the more he can say, or the council can say, don't worry, we can resurrect them. It's all good. It's all good. We got it. Secretly putting himself in all of them. Because even though he's still in the pit, the council, sinister council, is doing his bidding. Mm. Now, plus five years, we jump to the reveal that Storm has that something is wrong. Right? We've been doing all this stuff, and this is not Nightcrawler. And <laughs> this her, is not my friend. Her suspicions, her backup plan with Latuka, mm-hmm. and just how she runs from that place, and then there's Destiny Mystique, the people who disappeared. What was that in so issue ten of Immortal? They were just like, oh, we have to go. Actually, they just did the dip. They were like, yeah. we out. This Sorry. isn't for us. Sinister added to the council once Storm leaves. So amassed his power. He's got his power base, and now he's got a seat of power. Mm-hmm. And then and then to get our second series of one-pagers that could have easily been fleshed out into at least an anthology. Yeah, little stories. We got our, our king of hell, the emissary of hells. Shaw, Shaw living his best life. Magic taking down Asgard. That's crazy. Wanda just, no, sorry. No more Wanda. We don't need you. We don't need that stress in our lives. We're trying to take over the world. The chimera factory that becomes of the westchester mansion and and even something that i had missed the first time that i read it but the waste that that process is creating Mm -hmm. and how that's making life uninhabitable on the east coast it's even later referenced when foggy is saying hey don't do this do you see all the all the destruction that they're causing so interesting to know that the creation of chimeras is is not green friendly yeah that's not green energy <laughs> oh no and then the attack on Araco because that gene trader storm we gotta go for it gotta get her so now we jump to to plus 10 riots in the streets poisoning the east coast air preparing for space and the war against sinister's recommendation the fact that the council is not actually under his thumb anymore he's not quite got the control that he thinks he should have and they got a little bit too much of their own personalities brewing inside them and that's honestly uh, like that and it's probably why issue one was everybody's favorite because that gave us so much story so much information and really the next three issues just play with that in their own individual perspectives mm-hmm. sinister's mad because he doesn't have full control anymore the council has ousted him essentially of his leadership role like no we, we're going to do what we're going to do. He even calls out Xavier that he's been meddling in his work to give them selves more control. Right. But Xavier and Emma 
see it as you've given us the gift of your sheer evil, but our gifts also complement the greater good of our cause. So we're not just going to completely shut ourselves out. This isn't the Sinister Show. If you wanted the Sinister Show, you should have made a bunch of Sinister clones. Right. Instead, you have a Sinister Xavier, a Sinister Emma, a Sinister Exodus, a Sinister Hope. Like you're going to have all these crazy personalities that you can't control. And he's actually not too happy about that. Well, it's interesting because so his his last attempt with Moira, he needed to do that Hail Mary. This mm-hmm. was his last shot at that save point or you'd have to do Judgment Day again. Oh, nobody wants that. No. And so he, he just went for the ones that he needed to then be able to control further. Uh, I don't want to go as in-depth in recap on Storm and the Brotherhood, Nightcrawlers, and Immoral. I feel like that laid our foundation. Yes. But I'll give you my my one line for each of them. Okay, hit me. Storm and the Brotherhood is the Brotherhood's war for Araco, mm-hmm. but also the resistance and opposition. And right? the deception of destiny. Well, so that's the opposition, right? So the opposition being Orbis Stellaris. Yes, the deception of destiny to take the... Sinister lab that we didn't know where it went and to send that to Orbis at the hands of Mystique. Right. Because a key thing that happens in the end of the sins of Sinister is that he wants to reset everything because it's not going the way he planned. And a through line between these next three issues that come after it is that his lab is missing. His lab Someone gone. took it. Yeah. Someone took his super secret lab. And who did that? Destiny and Mystique in partnership with Orbis, which is crazy. Yeah, and and not a good thing, you know. <laughs> and and Destiny's doing it. We were just talking about this: the fact that she's operating for her own means right. for the survival of her wife. That's why she's here. That's the only reason That's why it. she's doing this. Mystique or nothing. Yeah, in Nightcrawlers we get our our holy thieves approach, right? So Sinister's private army of Nightcrawler assassins has now been turned thanks to the scream of change from Vox Ignis, this combination of Mm -hmm. a spirit of variance and Banshee who has now been operating as the herald of Mother Righteous. Right. Who we have recently learned is our final sinister suit. Right. So the heart sinister is Mother Righteous and we have Orbis Stellaris who we've been just talking about. Orbis... Stellaris is the spade. Yes. The suit. And Dr. Stasis is the club. I'll never forget that because the moment his little club was revealed on his head was Vindication. the best moment of my comic fan life. Right. And, <laughs> and this is really building up the plot of Mother Righteous, who is also seemingly working for or in partnership in some sense with Orbis Stellaris. For now. She, for now, because she's got her own long game plan. That's the Sinister that's probably going to win it all mm-hmm. if and I had to place a bet. And that's our question, this debate. What is Mother Righteous actually fighting for? Who is she actually fighting for? What does she have up her sleeve? Nothing good. And the only other thing I would like to mention that comes out of that issue is that we're now left with only three Sinisters because Stasis has been killed. killed. Snicked it into the skull. So we got three to go. As Mother Righteous is assembling these instruments of the gods, mm-hmm. trying to essentially build a dominion through faith and religion or magic, some kind of relic. Because that's the ultimate sinister goal, is to be the one who creates the dominion, who's going to be ultimately in charge. And... 
it'll be interesting to see in year 100 how far along in their goal each of the sinisters are. Right. Yeah. And our last issue, Immoral X-Men number one, we get the Sinister Council and the cracks within the diamond mm-hmm. because each of them is just feeding into this idea that, no, I'm, I'm sinister. I'm doing this for myself. Right. Uh, particularly Emma, who is just living her best bad life and doing whatever she needs to, wants to, can do to further her desires. Which is to be on top of the council, to be in charge, to be running the show. So we're 10 years in the future. Nothing is the same, but everything's been sinisterized mm-hmm. and we have questions. So yes. I put it out to people. Uh, any questions that you have, any favorite moments or any predictions? So this is a hodgepodge of those things. Comic Extracts said, so Wallcrawler's headache. So Wallcrawler was the Spider-Man Nightcrawler hybrid mm-hmm. from Nightcrawler's. His headache, was that actually his spidey sense around Mother Righteous? I think it was. Mm. I I do think that it was his spidey sense, but there's also this kind of back and forth because he talks about how he can start to hear Sinister's voice coming back in his head. Right. But I would say what I originally took it as, because he kind of says it's like a tingle, right? Like a Peter tingle. Um, I I originally took it as that was his spider spidey sense kicking in, saying something's not right. Which is interesting because he uses his sense earlier when he recognizes that Nightcrawler is actually on the other side of the wall. He doesn't see Nightcrawler, Mm. but something feels off. Like, I'm getting that tingle. Mm. Daniel also couldn't overstate how stunning the art has been on these three issues, four issues combined. Every issue is top work from top talent. I totally agree. It's been the same team, too. It's been the same artist and colorist on the year 10 issues. And then we will get a new team for year 100 and then a new team for year 1000, correct? That's correct. So to to tell you, our team has been Paco Medina and J. David Ramos on art and colors with Clayton Coles on letters. Oh, that's VCs, Clayton Coles. Sure. <laughs> Maddie Bond is predicting that Destiny will betray Orbis. She's using one sinister to make sure they all fail. I would agree with that, but I would say Destiny is going to betray everyone. Everyone. I, I think Except Mystique. Right. She's using the, the best ticket that she has to be able to get to the finish line, or at least as close to it that she can. Yeah. Rufio O'Connor, Michael was calling out Emma's speech on Queens was amazing. So yes. the Immoral X-Men note of just, just Queens are not born, they're made. Yes. Queens make themselves. Yes. Bring on Exodus. The the fact that he is likely going to be one of our focal characters. He's on the cover of Immoral 3. Mm-hmm. And he has the ability to get there in years. You know, thinking about how many how many people outside of any sinister involvement or resurrection involvement could actually live that long. And where's Scott? Other than those pages in Sins of Sinister, no Scott, no Wolverine, no... No Gene, really? I mean, they're not core council members. And if you think about the three books that we've had in Storm and the Brotherhood, they wouldn't be there because we're focusing on space. And non-sinisterized mutants. Right. In Nightcrawlers, we're focusing specifically on the Nightcrawlers and the the team that Mother Righteous is building. Mm -hmm. And then in Immoral, maybe you would have seen them, but you 
you were really we're really talking about the council itself. So I don't think if we were talking about X Men Red, Legion of X, and um, Immortal X Men, I don't think anyone would say where Scott, where's Wolverine in those books. Sure. So I think the X-Men team or other mutants would play a role in just the Sins of Sinister books, but this isn't really their fight. You know, they're very much pawns in this game. And I don't think, you know, there was a kind of bit of a conversation of like what you were saying of Xavier kind of helping give the council a little bit more of themselves. I don't think they're doing that for anyone who's not on the council. So Sinister Scott is pretty sinister and that's, he's just a pawn, unfortunately. No, I'm here for it. Michael Fox's biggest question is who will have knowledge of this timeline going into Fall of X? And that's something that we've been talking about week in and week out, right? Mm. The biggest what could happen is we reset the Moira. Somehow mm-hmm. someone gets the lab cracked out of this shield, this teleportation barrier that's around it, and is able to kill the last reset Moira and bring us to when? Because you think about where that's going to bring us, does that bring us before Judgment Day? I feel like it has to because that's why Sinister didn't want to reset it before Sins of Sinister started. Like right before he killed the council, he was trying to avoid going back to Judgment Day. And in my mind, the only logical answer to who's going to have this knowledge is going to be Sinister because that's unless someone can somehow alter the programming of the Moira resets. Well, I also I'm, I'm not sure that the Moira resets are how we get back because I just feel like that's the obvious answer. Right. And I they're feel, not going to give us the obvious answer. Right. That That's the thing that we've all been pointing to before this event even started was, OK, well, that's I mean, that's I, I've always thought that that's how Krakoa ends. So. I don't know if that's how this event is going to end. And then you also think about, you know, what you said just a little bit ago about Mother Righteous potentially being the one who kind of wins it all. If she's gathering all of these tools of the gods, like she's getting the Darkhold, she's getting the Eye of Agamotto, she's getting like all of these things that could potentially work together to create some sort of portal back in time you know not you know how i feel about time travel but maybe well, sure. that's the answer i mean some people have brought up and and warline comments it later orbis is the trickster titan from inferno mm. moira's life 10 who sends back the mind of omega sentinel oh right? good point warline right i love getting all the brains together for these kinds of discussions gravel road cosplay predicts that everything will end with a reset of a Moira, but more people will be aware of what happened. And so that's kind of what we're talking about. It's like, okay, well, how does that work? Right, how? And is it is it that that is what happens or somehow Mother Righteous is able to go back with the astral energies because mm. of how she's connected? Is it magical based? I, I feel like there's, I'm, I'm looking for what the other thing could be. Yeah. Other than a Moira reset. I have mixed feelings about these kinds of predictions because I love the the thinking and the, the processing of all the clues and all the possibilities. But every time I go down a road of like trying to predict the answer like this, I go 
back to am I WandaVisioning myself? Am I trying, am I going to be disappointed with what the actual story is because I've built up a headcanon for myself of what it should be? Well, I just feel like things are going to go crazy in 90 years from now as we get to next week kicking off with, I believe, Nightcrawlers is first. Mm-hmm. That, that, like, I have no idea what's going to happen. I just want to say that, like, as a disclaimer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, let's not get attached to any theory or idea yeah. too heavily because we have no knowledge of what the writers are actually doing. Only they know. Yeah, but it's fun. It's fun to oh, theorize. Of course. Of course. Fuse Twilight is wondering if by the end of the timeline, it'll all be totally erased or will it be a branch from the main 616? Yeah, like, that's... That's how, or at least how we know Moira's powers work, right? That everything is inevitably erased. Mm-hmm. And and there have been a lot of multiversal conversations in X-Men comics right Other now. books, right, yeah. And, and even in the wikis, they list them as different universes. Mm. So do they actually get reset? Do they replay somehow? Do they... Uh, we don't know what happens to a universe once Moira leaves it. Leaves it. Yeah. Leaves it. Dies. Plasma Z333 dug the Stormbook and Nightcrawlers, but not so much immoral. Oh. They're interested in what the teams look like 100 years out. I like X-Men alternate future stories. And yeah, I feel like that's the big draw with all of this is that it gives you a lot to play off of that big... Everything that we've loved about the Days of Future Past, mm. the Age of Apocalypse, alternate future, alternate reality played out over a thousand years at three checkpoints. The other thing that's interesting, too, is like in House and Powers, you had these years incrementing, but you didn't have to worry about what was true with resurrection or not because everyone had access to resurrection that needed to be in those stories. But if being resurrected means you then become a sinister in, in some respect, characters like Storm, like how's Storm going to be in year 1000? How is she alive? You know, like, and that's what's like, who is that team? Because right. we're already seeing in year 10 that we're getting mutants from Morocco who were babies and small children. Lulo. Right? They were small children and now they've grown and they're on a team. So... Who else grows and becomes on the team? What are these other future mutants that we get for like a taste? 90 years from now. Like that's right. crazy. Warlion can't wait to see Mystique dead, but also <laughs> his favorite moment is when she stabs Storm. And I I don't know if I loved that moment or if it was my favorite, but it was most surprising of that issue at least. I think it's a satisfying moment for people who like to see Mystique as her villainous self, right? Sure. That yeah, yeah, was yeah. like a cutthroat, just I'm coming for you. But the people situation. that love Storm. Never. Well, Storm doesn't die because Storm, Storm is strong. Yeah, I mean, she's super old on that second issue cover. And then she's her OG self on the third. So something happened. Resurrection by other means. Bring Jamie Braddock in here. Jamie, what are you doing over there? You still in other worlds? Probably. Uncanny Cal said that Storm escaping the Sinister Council in Sins of Sinister number one was their favorite. And I feel like, like the, all right then, war. Like yeah. that, that's the image that will be burned in my mind of just Destiny Mystique hanging out in the background. No, 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 not yet. Yeah. 
Well, just the whole fact that Storm knew that she needed some sort of protection. Something inside her was like, I need this barrier. Mm-hmm. Help me out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially even with Laktuka and right. to, to see that. Blonde China says that it'll be revealed that the ex-wife podcast has been sinisterized. How did you know? Blonde China, VC's Blonde China page turn noise. From the vault. From the vaults. How dare you expose my secrets? But also, isn't that just more Imagine fun? Imagine if I just like had a diamond, had a on, diamond on your head. Bo-pow! Next time. Curls wants to know how long did Sinister have Rasputin made? I'm curious to the other cards up his sleeve. So I don't know. Like he, she's not completed, right? Right. She, he's only got like the the blueprints, and even buys himself time with the need to be able to finish it. But I would hope that we're not just gonna get this one stage three chimera. No. She is the one that we all know and love and want from Powers of Ten. Mm-hmm. But I want to see what else Kieran's been cooking up in his mind the ever since one that prompt. I've been waiting for. Yeah. Who is the ghost Essex keeps seeing? Yo, that is a great question. I'd love to know the answer. Is that somehow related to the time travel? Right. Or the reset? Is it himself? Is it Mother Righteous? Is it is it Destiny showing up? Is it the OG Nathaniel Essex? Ooh, maybe. Curls throughout his wife, his son, narcissistically himself. I, I think that, I mean, how many sinisters, are too many sinisters? We saw a bar sinister in the first issues of Powers of Ten. Like, there's never like, enough. To say you're a ghost means it has to be someone who's like literally dead. Like dead, dead. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because otherwise it's like, oh, you're a resurrected version of you. But like to say you're a ghost. Yeah. Well, Spider's Rules wants to know, will we ever see Bay avenging her boo? Ooh. Because Doug was mercilessly killed by Wolverine from behind, trying to just console the brain-dead Krakoa. Well, I don't know. Like, what happened to Bay? Where is she? We haven't was seen she, her. Did she die on Arako when it was exploded? I don't know, because she wasn't She wasn't on Arako. She was on Krakoa. She was living on Krakoa with Doug. Yeah. I think like that's part of the thing that, that doesn't add up okay, how many people die in the 10 years, right? Right. Or or just get defeated or get sinisterized, and, and you can't expect a full-line scope in right. and nine she issues. Right, and she's a Rocky, so she wouldn't be resurrected. Right, right. So she wouldn't be sinisterized. No. So she's either hanging around or she somehow died. But I would love to see her avenge her love. Fabio Ciccone said that the Captain America that appears fighting the X-Men in Sins of Sinister is actually Dr. Stasis. That's his wild prediction. What? I don't know. I mean, that'd be that'd be crazy. So so Stasis has his own means of resurrecting into other people? That would be bananas. That would be brain explosions inside brain explosions. I but do- I do notice that his face is definitely like blue sinister face and yeah. not just... Captain America as a sinister witch. Right. So that is an interesting theory. And I also I also think that Stasis was just defeated entirely too easily. Yeah, I know. It was a little crazy. But also at the same point, I'm like, well, you gotta move the story like someone's sure. gotta go at some point. Right. right. We only have so many issues. And and Duggan's not here to write his guy, so Right. Bye. Remy Lebu UK 
thinks that it'll ultimately be inconsequential and I just want the next storyline to start. <gasps> and that's real. Some that's people fair. aren't going to enjoy everything. I would argue that most events are ultimately inconsequential and just stalls for the next story to start. So, it, I, I mean, I enjoy Sins of Sinister. I'm actually really excited about it and am interested in the format of it more than even the story. I think, I, I think yeah. the, the story builds off of a lot of things that Sinister's been up to and lets us see it. But even just the format of three stories across three points in time artists digging in on that one point of time yeah i don't think it's necessarily going to be inconsequential though i do think like this is going to change the fabric of krakoa because Mm. it's it it, it's going to reset obviously but i still think there's got to be something that they learn from it in some way right well i think there's a big difference between learning something from this happening and changing the fabric of Krakoa. I feel like that's a very, like, everything is changed, right? You look at Judgment Day, the change is that Uranus has an hour of playtime under the Iraqi, and we resurrect a handful of humans now. Mm -hmm. And we all learned, and Eternals are feared and hated, right? Not monumental, but little pieces. Some different knowledge has been shared. Yeah, and I would also argue that you know, and this is just semantics, but you said like stall till the next story. And I don't think of it as stalling. I think this is a story that they wanted to tell. This is an age of apocalypse. This is an a taste of an alternate universe. Of, I mean, this of, is what Kieran's been building to since issue one of Immortal. Right. You know, I, I didn't say stall as like a, I, I hate just, this. I'm just saying. Gilbert Rojo, 1022. So is it just me or does it seem like... It's being set up for Sinister to be the actual hero. Interesting. You see, he hates what's happened. Like everything has been taken from his control and he now has no way of getting out of it. And the only way to get out of it maybe is to just be the downfall of his own plan, right? Right. The only thing he can do is just tear it to pieces. That would be a really interesting twist twist on the story that like he's really seeing this is what i wanted and i'm never going to get it the way i wanted and i don't want anyone else to have it like if one of the other sinisters is reaching the place where they're going to be the one to get it like if i can't have it nobody gets it you know like i gotta cut this out that's interesting yeah those are all our questions those are all our recaps what are you thinking what are you feeling about what's to come are you just are you excited are you nervous I'm not nervous. I am excited about what's happening. I am really open to just letting what it be be and like let it wash over me. I think that this whole story, this whole concept is really fun and I'm really enjoying like where it's all going and like the twists and turns and the backstabbing and the the fake alliances to the real alliances and all of that. And honestly, all I really care about is Rasputin. <laughs> I would just like literally since my introduction to X-Men comics was House and Powers and I fell in love with her and she was in like two seconds and I've been waiting for years for her to come back and now she's here and she's seemingly having a large role and I don't care about anything else. That's just, not true. I do care about other things but yeah. I, I'm I, here. I'm here for Storm. Yeah. I want to see what Rasputin unleashes and if she is the key you know like is she the answer does she is she a puppet 
of the sinister plan or is she the thing that saves them all? I mean, she is going to be created by sinister. But her chimera DNA does not say sinister in it. Sure. So. Well, that's chimera DNA based off of powers of 10. I know, but I'm just saying maybe she's the hero. I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to know when Banshee... Vox Ignis is going to stand up to Mother Righteous mm. because that was brewing by the end of issue one of Nightcrawlers. Yeah. And I feel like that's a big sticking point. I also, John Ironside, we haven't talked about it at all. Right. The the new Wolverine is basically how Al referred to him as Ooh. in the interview. He just, I, I just want to create a new Wolverine and not give him a whole lot of backstory. Just like put him out there and say, yeah, he's been around. He's been around for all this time. He's doing stuff. Well, I mean, we'll end our episode like we traditionally do with talking about what's to come next week. Well, what is to come next week? Do you know? No. Do I ever know? Nightcrawler's number two. Oh. Kicking us off with that Sins of Sinister. X-Men number 20. Oh, exciting. Brood. The Brood. New Mutants Lethal Legion number one. Here for that. Scarlet Witch number three with Polaris. Yes. And X-23, Deadly Regenesis, Ooh, number one. Okay, it's going to be a poppin' week. That's a big one. I mean, this, not also to mention Mary Jane and Black Cat. Which I'll be reading. Amazing Spider-Man and Black Panther. But that's all other stuff. That's not for the pod. Well, until next time, old friend. Sinister Charles is crying. <laughs>